I have an important question for you as we get started this morning. How many of you want your life to change for the better? See a lot of hands, that's good. I'd love to sign up for that too. For the last few weeks, we've been going through this adventure we call 40 Days of Prayer, and we've seen that prayer can change our lives for the better. In fact, prayer can change us for the better. Now, when it comes to change, there's a very important principle that we find in the Bible. In order to change your life, you have to change your perspective. Real change happens when you see yourself and you see your life from an entirely different point of view. When you see things not as you want to see them, but as they actually are. Consider this, if I want to look at something really, really small, let's say I want to see a, a blood cell, what do I need? Some blood, okay. What else do I need? What, a microscope, exactly, because I can't see it without a microscope. Let's say that I want to look at a planet that is far, far away. What do I need besides a planet? I need a telescope. Let's say that I go to a movie, a really cool movie, and it's a 3D movie, and I want to see what is on the screen. I want to see it clearly, the way it was intended to be viewed. What do I need? Yeah, 3D glasses. Now today I want to talk to you about a different kind of glasses. These glasses give you the ability to see things as they really are. If you put on these glasses, you can see the truth about yourself and the truth about your life. In fact, wearing these glasses will enable you to see the world in an entirely different way. It'll enable you to see everything in the world in an entirely different way, including prayer. Now, you can't buy these glasses at VisionWorks, but you can get them by consulting this book that we call the Bible, because the glasses that I'm going to talk to you about this morning are what I refer to as gospel glasses. Now, church, what does the word gospel mean? Good news. Good news about who? Good news about Jesus. That's a good start. So here's what I want you to do. I want you to look at the big idea this morning. Are you with me? This is on your outline. Big idea today. You will have a powerful, life-changing perspective on prayer when you put on gospel glasses and see prayer through the lens of who Jesus is and what he's done for you. So here's what I want to encourage you to do. We're going to look in different directions this morning. And we're going to remember certain things, but to do this effectively, you need to have gospel glasses. So are you ready to go on this adventure? All right, here's the first thing we're going to do. We're going to look back at the cross and remember that you have a new record. Right now, put on your gospel glasses, look back at the cross, and remember that you have a new record. Look at these verses from the book of Colossians. It says, you were dead because of your sins and because your sinful nature was not yet cut away. Then God made you alive with Christ for he forgave all our sins. And notice this, he canceled the record of the charges against us and took it away, how? What does it say? By nailing it to the cross. And this is such an important and powerful statement. During the time of Jesus, when somebody was executed by crucifixion, what the soldiers would do is take a list of charges and nail them above the person's head that was being executed. A list of crimes for which they were dying so everybody would know. Now when Jesus was crucified, had he committed any crimes? No. He lived a perfect life. So whose crimes did he die for? Yeah, ours. The Bible says it's like Jesus 
was there on the cross and God the Father took the charges against you and me, the times that we have failed to love others, the times that we have failed to love God. He took all those charges against us, nailed them to the cross above Jesus' head and when you become a follower of Jesus Christ, that list of charges against you is obliterated. It is destroyed. And not only that, the news gets even better. God gives you the record of Jesus Christ's perfect life. That's an incredible truth, isn't it? But here's the reality. Some of us here today have embraced that with our heads. But it's a whole different ballgame to know that with your heart. Let me ask you this. What is the greatest failure of your life? What is the thing that you regret the most? The thing that you're most ashamed of? When you look back at the cross through gospel glasses, what you can see is that your past is settled. God has given you a new record. Think about this. When you look at the cross through gospel glasses, you can remember that because you have a new record, God looks at you as if you have never sinned. But is that the way you really see yourself? As a pastor, I've had so many conversations over the years with people who tell me their stories, and often they take me into their confidence. So many of you have done that because you know that the things you share with me stay with me. And I've heard so many conversations where people will say, well, Pastor Dudley, I've never told this to anyone before, but... And people will tell me about their failures, they'll tell me about their regrets, about the things they're ashamed of. And, and I've come to realize because of these stories and because of my own experience, it is really hard to let go of the past. It is really hard to get past our failures. It's hard to let go of those regrets. It's hard to not beat ourselves up. But when you put on your gospel glasses and look back at the cross, you can remember that you have a new record. And listen, church, God doesn't want us to live in the past. He wants us to move toward the future that he has designed for us. It's like a baseball player said, you can't steal second with your foot on first. Makes sense. You've got to let go of the past and move toward the future. How do you do that? You put on what? I'm going to be saying this a lot. Yes, gospel glasses. Exactly. Now, when you put on your gospel glasses, what difference does that make in terms of your prayers? Well, look at this statement on your outline. This will help you pray with gratitude. It'll help you pray with gratitude. This past Wednesday night, I was talking with our middle and high school students about becoming a more joyful person. And one of the topics that we addressed was complaining. Now, I know that none of you ever complain, but for the people you know who complain, you know, people who complain about the weather, it's too hot, it's too cold, or traffic, or the food in the restaurant didn't get there fast enough, or friends or family or homework or teachers, none of you ever complain about those things. And I get that. But for the people you know that complain, what is the cure for complaining? To be grateful. To be grateful. You know, one of the things that we're doing in our small groups, our 40 Days of Prayer small groups, we've got these really cool notebooks that we're using, prayer journals. And there are two pages. It's called a gratitude list. It has the letters of the alphabet, A through Z. And what we're supposed to do is, as we go through the week, we're supposed to look for things we can be thankful for and write them down. And so that's what I've been doing this week, and I got to be, and I wrote, BBCC Church Family. God, I really thank you for my church family. Uh, and this really changes your entire perspective. When you go through the day looking for things to be thankful for, I'm still looking for something that starts with X. 
because I really want to finish my list. But here's the deal, church. God wants us to be people who are grateful, and especially grateful because as we look back at the cross, because of Jesus, because of who he is and what he's done, we have a new record. Now, here's another direction that we need to look, and this is on your outline. Look up into your Father's face and remember that you are loved. Look up into your Father's face and remember that you are incredibly loved. Look at these verses. It says, For those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. The Spirit you receive does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the Spirit you received brought about your adoption as sons and daughters. And notice this phrase, and by him, as a reference to the Holy Spirit, we cry out, Abba, Father. Abba, Father. What does the word Abba mean? Well, it's an Aramaic word. It means Papa, means Daddy. It's a term of endearment. It's what a little kid would call their father. Take a look at this picture. Who's sitting in the chair? Yeah, President Kennedy, JFK, John Fitzgerald Kennedy. Who are the kids dancing in the Oval Office there? Yes, two kids, John, John, and Caroline. What do you think his kids call him? Mr. President? What do they call him? He is the leader of the free world, the most powerful man in the world. What do they call him? Daddy. How do you address God? What do you call him? I want to challenge you to do something this week. Every time you pray, address God as your father. Address God as Papa. Now, listen, I know that's a stretch for a lot of people. It's really strange because some of us grew up believing that God was, was not a loving father. We've seen God in a lot of different ways, but when you're a Christian, you're invited to cry out through the ministry of God's Holy Spirit, Dear Father, Daddy, Papa. Now, if you really grab hold of this perspective, this is what it will enable you to do. And this is really important. That will help us pray with passion. With passion. If you're a parent, have you ever heard a child cry out because they needed something, because they wanted something? They can make a lot of racket, right? They're really intense when they ask you for something. That's how we can come to God. Say, God, listen, I need you. I'm dying here, God. God says, listen, come to me. Pour out your heart. Tell me what you're thinking. Tell me what you're feeling. When we see God as our Father in heaven who loves us, we can look up into his face with gospel glasses and pour out our hearts to him. And that's what I want to encourage us to do, not just today, but throughout the week and throughout our lives. Here's something else I want you to do as you put on your gospel glasses, look inside yourself and remember that you have a new what? You can say it together. What do you have? You have a new potential. And this is huge. And here's why. Listen to this statement. I wrote it down so I could say it exactly the way I intended. What you believe about your potential will directly influence what you attempt to accomplish in your life. Do you realize that? What you believe about your potential will directly influence what you attempt to accomplish in your life. If you're a student this morning and you think, I don't have much potential when it comes to math, are you going to try to take algebra or geometry or trigonometry or calculus? No. Why? Because you don't think you can pass. You don't have the potential to do well. Or what about this? Let's say that you're at home watching one of those do-it-yourself shows on television and there's people renovating a kitchen, and you think, hey, that's not so tough. I could do that. 
Well, because you believe you have the potential, you get in your car you, or pickup truck, you go to Home Depot, you get the stuff, you get the tools, you come home, you pick up the sledgehammer and knock out the wall in the kitchen. Because you say, I, I can do this. But conversely, what if you look at that do-it-yourself show and you go, there's no way I could do this. What's going to happen? You're never going to get off the couch. And listen, this carries into every area of our lives. If somebody hurts you deeply and you say to yourself, I could never forgive that person. I will never get over this. Guess what? You never will because you don't believe you can. You don't believe you have the potential to forgive. Or what about this? Let's say that there's trouble in your marriage and you know it's going to take really hard work to move forward. And you say to yourself, you know what? I just can't do it. I can't do this hard work. It's not possible. What's going to happen? You're not going to try. Because you don't believe you have the potential to do what's necessary to save your marriage. Or what about this? Let's say that you're, you're struggling with an addiction. And you take one step forward and two steps back. And you've tried so many times to break free and it's not working. And you look in the mirror and you say, you know what? I can't do this. I don't have the potential to break free. What's going to happen? You never will. But church, consider this. What if, as followers of Jesus Christ, we picked up our gospel glasses and we took a look at ourselves and we said, you know what? The spirit of Jesus Christ lives in me. And I can do things that I never can do in my own strength or wisdom or ability. I can do all things through Christ who gives me his strength and his wisdom and his ability. What difference would that make in our lives? And look at this, look at this verse it says, but you, and this is written to Christians, but you are not controlled by your sinful nature. You have a choice. You are controlled by the Spirit if you have the Spirit of God living in you. Now let me ask you this right now. What is the most difficult thing you need to do in your life? The hardest thing that you need to do? What if you believed it was possible because you have a new potential? Because Jesus Christ lives in you make all the difference in the world. And what difference would it make in terms of how you pray? And here's the difference it'll make. This will help you pray with boldness, with incredible boldness. One of my favorite verses in the Bible is Ephesians 3.20, and it talks about the power of God. It says he is able, God is able to do more than we can ask or imagine because of his power that works where? In us. And that verse is not just about us as individuals. It's certainly true that God works in us individually, but God works in us as a church, as his people. Because, listen, when I look inside at myself through gospel glasses, I go, oh, yeah, Jesus is living in me. But when I put on my gospel glasses and look at you, Christian, I see that Jesus is living in you, and Jesus is living in you, and Jesus is living in you. And that means that what we can do together is greater than anything we can ask or imagine because of his mighty power that works where? In us together, and I believe this, I really do, that, that during this 40 days of prayer, God is going to show us things as a church that he wants us to do, and they will not be easy things. They will be difficult things. But church, I'm convinced that we can do them. We have the potential to do them because Jesus lives in us. And I will say this as well. I was just talking between services with a family here in our church. Since we began this adventure just a few weeks ago, I have never seen the kind of spiritual opposition that I'm seeing right now. There are families in our church, and a lot of them in leadership positions, that are going through unbelievable trials and pressures and problems because the enemy wants to stop us. But church, 
That's a battle that Jesus wants to win. And the question is, do we, do we really believe that? Do we believe that there's a potential in us greater than every obstacle that we face? Because that's what Jesus wants us to believe. And he wants us to cry out in prayer with boldness. What do we need to do that? Gospel glasses. And here's a fourth direction to look when you put on your gospel glasses. Look around at others and remember that you have a what? You have a mission. Check out this verse. But give yourselves completely to God, every part of you. For you are back from death, and you want to be tools in the hands of God to be used for his good purposes. I was looking at this verse during the week, tools in the hands of God, and I was thinking about this. What did Jesus do for a living? Who knows? Good, he was a carpenter. What do carpenters use to build stuff? They use tools. I have a heavy tool bag here. And, and here's a tool that a carpenter would use. What is this? Good, it's a saw. Have you ever thought of yourself as a tool in the hands of Jesus Christ to carry out his purposes in the world? Because I'll tell you this, if I'm going to be a saw, I want to be the sharpest saw I can be so Jesus can do his work really well. Does that make sense? Because we're all different tools, right? So maybe you're not a saw. Maybe you're a, a level you want to be the best level you can be, right? So Jesus can carry out his work in the world. Or let's say you're a what? Rather be a hammer than a nail. And if you're, some of you got that. Just came to me. But seriously, if you are a hammer, you want to be a strong hammer. So Jesus can do what? Carry out his mission in the world. Now I will tell you this, in terms of your, your prayer life, here, here's one of the most dangerous prayers that anybody can pray. Are you ready? Three words. Jesus, use me. Think about that. You pray that seriously. Jesus, use me. How do you think he's going to respond? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. He's going to pick you up and he's going he's to use you to accomplish his purpose in this world. But, but how are you going to figure that out? You have to look at yourself and other people through what? Gospel glasses. And when you do, it will enable you to do this, to pray with a surrendered heart. We just sang that a few minutes ago, right? All to Jesus, I what? I surrender all to him, I freely give. I don't know who needs to hear this, but I'm convinced that somebody does. Maybe a number of you need to hear this this morning. God wants to use you to make a difference in somebody's life. God wants to use you to make a difference in this world. And church, here's the reality. So easy, it is so easy for us to stand on the sidelines and do this. Criticize. Complain. Be critical. Ever do that at work? Stand on the sidelines and be critical about what's happening? Ever do it in your neighborhood? Ever do it in your family? Don't raise your hand. Ever do it in your church? Yeah, somebody ought to do something about that. Well, what if that somebody was you? What if you said, God, use me to accomplish your purpose in our church, in our community, and in our world? And let me say this to our students. Students, I'm really glad that you're here. And I have just so enjoyed being able to work with you and teach you and go on missions trips with you. And I know this, that sometimes people in churches look at students and they say, they say something like this. And I'm talking about elementary students, middle school students, high school students. You guys are the church of tomorrow. 
When you grow up, God's going to use you to do great things. Ever hear that? Students, listen to me. You are not only the church of tomorrow, you are the church of today. Because listen, when you say, Jesus, use me, he will do that. He will use you in your family. He will use you in your school. He will use you in the lives of your friends as you follow Jesus and encourage others to do the same. And I will tell you this. I was here on Wednesday night, and and I'm so pleased and proud of our students and how they serve. Um, We have a number of students, high school students, who serve our little kids in Awana. And every time I thank them, they go, oh, man, I just love it. I'm so thankful that I get to do this. And you heard what Chris said. We have so many places in this church where we need faithful volunteers. So listen, put on your gospel glasses, church, and say, God, use me, because we need people to work with our kids and our teenagers and to be involved in all of our ministries to accomplish the mission that Jesus has given us. Well, here's the last direction. Direction number five. Put on your gospel glasses and look ahead and remember that you have nothing to fear. Can you imagine what it would be like to live your life this way? Seriously. To wake up in the morning, to have no anxiety, to go through the day and reminding yourself, hey, I have nothing to fear. There's a a big event happening in the world of sports today. What's that event called? The Super Bowl. And let me ask you this. Who thinks the Dolphins are going to win? I knew some hands would go up second service. (laughs) What, What faith? to believe they could finally get back to the big game, right? All right. But, but, however, reality check. Who thinks the Patriots are going to win? Who thinks the Eagles are going to win? Oh, a church divided. My goodness. Wow. How many of you know who's going to win? Okay. Sorry to burst your bubble that no one in this room knows who's going to win. Well, let me qualify that. There is somebody in the room who knows who's going to win, and who is that? God knows. Now, follow me on this. Why does God know who's going to win? Because he knows all things. He knows the future. Why does God know the future? Because he's already there. Really, think about this. Everything is like the eternal present to God, whether it's past, present, or future. It's all the same to him because he is not bound by time. So often, we, we look at the future and we're afraid. You ever feel like that? You know, you, you worry about what's going on in the world. You worry about what's going on in your family, with your finances, with your kids. I mean, there's so many things that cause us to be fearful. I was thinking this week, about an experience that I had when my daughter Elizabeth was in high school. She played volleyball, and her team was very good, and they went all the way to the state championship. And this was a big deal. You know, the family's caravan to the game, to this big tournament, and it came down to the last game. They were losing. They were behind. And if they lost one more point, it was going to be the agony of defeat. And so as fans, you know, moms and dads and brothers and sisters, we're on the edge of our seats. You know, we're just, you know wringing our hands, our stomachs are in knots and, and we're, your hearts are beating fast just hoping that somehow they can you know, keep going and, and not make a mistake and, and win the game and that's exactly what happened. They pushed through, they win the game, they, they won the state championship and I'll tell you what, I was so relieved. Now, after the, the tournament, the coach actually gave all the families videotapes of the state championship and it was about a couple of years 
after that, that I was home on a Saturday and we were going through some old videotapes and I thought, oh, look at this. This is the, the championship game. I think I'll watch it. So I pop it in the, well, it was VCR back in the day. And so we're, I'm sitting here watching this, this tournament and it comes to the last game and they're losing and they're, you know, one point from, from, from you know, being disqualified and eliminated. And I'm not nervous at all. I mean, I got my feet up. I'm eating popcorn. I'm smiling. Why? Why? Because I know the outcome. I know how things are going to turn out. So when it looks really bad, I'm not worried. Hey, it's okay. They're going to win. Do you realize that's how God sees your life? He knows what's going to happen. And he not only knows what's going to happen, he's in charge of what's going to happen in your life and mine. Listen, we don't know what God knows. We can't see what God sees. But here's what he wants us to do. This is what God says to us. Trust me. I got this. I got you. You're in my hands and there is no better place to be. But here's the, here's the question. In order to really have that perspective, what do you need? You need gospel glasses and here's why. The gospel tells us that God's in charge of all things, including the future. Think about this. When Jesus is dying, when he's hanging on a cross, how is it possible for his father to look down from heaven and deal with the death of his son? And I believe the answer is this, because he didn't just see what was happening in the moment. He saw what was happening in the future at exactly the same time. Do you realize that? So he knows, yeah, Jesus is going to die, and he's going to be buried in a tomb, but he's going to come back to life. And because Jesus did those things because his father can see the future, God, at that very moment, I believe, saw what was happening here in this church. He saw the lives that would be changed because of the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Church, same thing is true in your life and mine. God sees our pain. He sees our suffering. He sees, sees our pressures and our problems. And he knows what he is going to do to work things out for our good and for his glory. Look at this verse about living without fear. This is God talking to the people of Israel and to us. He says, don't be afraid, for I am with you. Listen, some of you this morning really need to hear this message from God. God's speaking to you right now. So take this to heart. God says, don't be afraid, for I am with you. Don't be discouraged for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. That is a promise that God has made to us. I will hold you up. Some of you this morning need God to hold you up because you feel like you're going to fall down. I will hold you up with my what? Victorious right hand. Now listen, when you look at your life through gospel glasses, this is what it will help you do. It will help you pray with faith. Friends, listen very carefully. I know that some of you have incredible stories of answered prayer. I've heard your stories over the years. I've heard some really incredible stories in the last couple of weeks. But I also know this, that some of us have been praying for a very, very long time. Praying for people in our family, praying for, for health issues, praying that God would do something about the problems that we have and we prayed and we prayed and we prayed and it seems like nothing's happening. I've been praying the same prayers 
for decades. And I have not seen with these eyes God do one single thing. So how do you keep praying? Why should you keep praying? And here's the only answer I can come up with. Because despite what we see with these eyes, we can have faith in God to accomplish his purpose. The question is, where does that faith come from? I mean, maybe today you have a little bit of faith and what you need is your faith to get stronger. What will make your faith stronger? I believe it is this, remembering the gospel. Remembering who Jesus is and what he has done for us. Because think about this. We, we come to celebrate communion today, right? And Jesus, that night that he was betrayed, we read the account in the Bible, before he goes to the cross, he calls his disciples together, they celebrate the Passover meal, and what does Jesus say? Do this in remembrance of who? Me. It was almost as if Jesus is saying, guys, put on your gospel glasses. See what's happening here and what's happening tomorrow through the lens of who I am and what I've done for you and what I've promised to do. And so church this morning, this is my appeal to you. As we come to celebrate communion, would you do this? Would you put on your gospel glasses? And listen, if you don't have any gospel glasses, let me tell you how you can get some. Because God wants you to see the truth about yourself, the truth about your life, and the truth comes from this book, and the truth says that we're all sinners, separated from a holy God, a God who is just and has to punish every sin we've ever committed. See, when you put on gospel glasses and see what the scripture says, you realize that, yeah, that's, that's really bad. And in fact, it gets worse because I can't save myself, but there is a God who loves me more than I can imagine who allowed his son to come to this world and die in my place so that I could be forgiven and have a new life. And when you embrace Jesus, when you say, Jesus, I need you, I love you, I want to follow you, you get gospel glasses so that you can see the life that God's called you to live. So church, put on your gospel glasses this morning and as you do, look back at the cross and remember that you have a new record. Look up into the eyes of your heavenly father and remember that he loves you like nobody else. Christian, put on your gospel glasses and look inside and realize that the spirit of Jesus Christ lives in you and because of that, you have a new potential. And pick up those gospel glasses and look around at the people that God's put in your life and realize that God can use you to make a difference in their lives. And finally, do this. Put on your gospel glasses. And as you look down the road, as you look toward the future, remember this. God is with you. And God is for you. And because of that, you have nothing, absolutely nothing, to fear. Let's pray. God, I'm just so incredibly thankful for the gospel, for the good news of Jesus. And God, I just want to say this. Father, thank you for allowing me the privilege of sharing that story with your people here this morning. Father, as we, as we put on our gospel glasses and remember Jesus and all that he's done for us, I pray that we would experience your presence in a special way this morning. We pray in Jesus' name, amen.